This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and I am thrilled that you are here this morning on this cold morning. You've uh, made it into this warm place, and I want to say thank you. We are excited you are here uh, today. If you're new or you've been around many times before, we want to encourage everyone uh, to take a moment and to fill out a connect card. Uh, You should find one of these in the seat back in front of you, and there's all kinds of information you can put on there, especially on the back. You can write down prayer requests, decisions you've made, other things you want us to know about, and we really take those and we we look at them each week. We we pray for the things that are on there, Um, so please, please. Please take a moment and fill one of those out. It's our desire to have one of those from each family here. Let me just pause and pray for us, and then we're going to get started this morning. God, we have just spent some time singing, singing about you, about your incredible love for us, about putting more of our trust in you. God, we've sung about being children of God. My prayer today is just as we work through these verses, as we spend this time together in your word, God, that you would open our heart, that you would open my heart and every heart here today, that we might hear from you, God, because we believe that there is something you have for each and every one of us, something you want us to learn, some place you want our faith to go, and we need your help to get there. God, help that to happen all across this room, right now, in this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, Good morning again, and welcome to week number two in our series on Romans chapter 8. We got started last week looking at the first uh, maybe 11 verses of Romans chapter 8, this uh, very famous, this uh, profound chapter in the Bible. And one of the things that we talked about uh, last week was how in the first seven chapters of the book of Romans that the Holy Spirit didn't get a whole lot of attention. And then all of a sudden we get to chapter 8 and 21 times Paul, the author of this book, mentions the Holy Spirit 10 times in the first 11 verses that we read last week. And for Paul... This is like getting plugged into a brand new power source. He spent so much time uh, uh, in focus talking about sin and death and destruction and all of these kinds of uh, negative things before. And now all of this is going to get seen in a new light. All because we're plugged in to God's Holy Spirit. It was a great uh, start to a great chapter last week, being plugged into the Holy Spirit as a power source. We're going to continue on in Romans chapter 8 this week. Um, And what we're really trying to do here in, in this series is we're just trying to sink 
into the word of God. We're just trying to sink into it and, and to learn what God has for us, to uh, learn what God wants to teach us. And we're doing that, yes, because it's important and it's what we're supposed to be doing. But we're, we're also doing it because, uh, as we shared last week, as we've gathered leaders together, as we've thought and prayed about our future as a church, where God is leading us, one of the things that is most clear is that God's leading us in a season of leaning on Him, of trusting Him, uh, of um, learning more from Him, a season of discipling, a season of discipleship. And so that's what we want to do in this series. That's what we want to do today. With that, let me just get right to it today. Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 16 uh, is where we're going to be at. You're going to find those words on the screen, but also in your programs. Uh, That's not something that we always do, but we printed the uh, verses in your programs in the hopes that maybe you'd get a pen out and you'd interact with the verses in a little bit different way. Underline some things, circle some things, write some notes in the sidelines there. Uh, just to take a moment, and, and those are good habits to be in. To kind of find those things where maybe God is poking and prodding a word, a phrase. So take a moment and just let me encourage you to do that today as I read these verses and as we talk through them. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For, you, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Before we go any further into the passage, I wanted to uh, take our attention back just a moment, back to that last song that we sang before uh, I came up here. This song called We're No Longer Slaves. It's a song that, at least in many ways, comes out of these verses. No longer slaves, but children of God. This week, I found um, some words from the authors of this song, uh, some words where they describe what the song has meant to them, what it is meaning, and kind of some of the struggle that it came out of. So would you just take a moment and listen to them share about No Longer Slaves? Brian contacted me and said, hey, we really want you guys to be a part of this album we're going to record top of a mountain and it's going to be amazing so we emailed over a couple songs and as soon as brian heard no longer slaves he texted me back he said this is the one and he said already have an idea for the bridge as soon as i heard the melody i saw the picture of the israelites going through the red sea 
And it was the moment that they left their slavery and they became the children of God. And they saw the massive love of their father that would part a Red Sea for them and bring them into his promised land. I just heard the lyrics, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. All my fears are drowned in perfect love. The next morning when I woke up, I was like, how, how can we get Melissa into this song? Because it was something that I was just singing. And the bridge was way too high for me to sing. I was like, this would be perfect if Melissa sings it. It's actually maybe one of the first songs that I've been in, invited into in that capacity to like, that I didn't write it. So many of my songs are such so deeply connected to my journey with the Lord. And so if I'm completely honest, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. Like I found myself like, I don't, I don't know if I'm fully engaged in it yet, you know? And, and I had a beautiful moment of really just getting on my face before the Lord. Because I just kept hitting that wall. I'm like, what is this wall? Like, I never hit this wall, you know? And the Lord's like, I, I'm not going to let you sing something you don't believe. And I just sat there for like probably an hour and just sang the bridge over and over and over and over. And I just wept and I cried. And I'm like, okay, this is actually my story. Like, this is, this is, is my testimony of the Father reaching in and, and opening up seasons of, of suffering and sorrow and and just meeting me and drowning my fear. What we landed with, you know, was me kind of coming out of my own skin and, and giving the Father in that moment every, everything that I had. Even when I watch the video now, I'm like, I don't know that I've ever sang like that. And that's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to, to watch and be like, okay, like I fully believe what I was singing. When we sang it for the recording, even when we've sung it since, mm -hmm. I realized that this song is our life message and this song is our testimony. Yeah. And it's also what we want to declare over a generation, that you're no longer slaves, but you're sons and daughters of a father. No longer slaves, but sons and daughters of God. My, my favorite part of that little video that we just watched was uh, Melissa, Melissa um, Helsler. And when she's describing, she's describing kind of her struggle with it. She's describing how, you know, she's, she's having a hard time. Uh, she doesn't know, does she really believe these things? Is she owning these words? She usually writes them herself. She, she doesn't know what to do with these words on a page that just seem kind of flat. And, and then when she begins to own it, after she, she talked about uh, singing the bridge again and again and again, and then it, it, it clicked and, and she began to own those words and they became hers. And then you could just see the joy, the satisfaction on her face because she was a daughter of God. What she is describing is something that so many of us struggle with. Maybe not uh, in that kind of context with a song that uh, we're trying to sing, but we struggle with this. We've become so accustomed, so accustomed to something wonderful and awe-inspiring. We become so accustomed that we take it for granted. We take it for granted. 
When she was describing not being into the song and they weren't her words, she didn't know what to do. Of course, she knows that she's a child of God, but at that moment for her, these are just words on a page. They're just words on a page, but then the light bulb goes off after she sang it again and again and again, and she realized, no, this is about me. This is my story. I'm a daughter of God. And you can see just her demeanor change. She said, when I realized it's about me, that I'm a child of God, she could just let go and she could sing with everything she had. We do the same thing so often when we become so accustomed to something wonderful, awe-inspiring, and we just kind of ignore it, we take it for granted. Here's some normal, everyday examples How many times have you walked into a dark room and you've kind of felt along the wall until you found one of those little light switches and then you flick the switch and what happens? The room fills with light, right? Now we didn't grow up without electricity and light bulbs and all of that, so we don't know what it's like to walk around with a candle and a lantern and let that be your only light, but I'm guessing the light switch is a lot easier, right? What about we're sitting here and hopefully you're fairly relaxed. Your heart is beating a hundred times a minute. Pumping vital blood to every part of your body. And you're not even thinking about it. That's incredible. What about how you got here this morning? You got out into the cold air and you got in your car and you stuck a little key in the ignition or maybe you have a newer car and you pressed a button and all of a sudden that engine turned over that great big engine turning over a thousand times a minute without even pressing on the gas pedal all of these things and a thousand more. They're amazing when you really step back and you take a look at them. But they happen to us so often. They're so common for us that we ignore them. We become indifferent to them. We become indifferent to the wonder around us. The wonder that surrounds us every day. In the same way, in the same way we hear so often that we're children of God, we hear that God is our Father, that we are heirs to eternal life, that we enjoy the privileges and the pleasures of being a child of the King. We hear those things so often, those truths so often that we yawn. And we say, what else? What's what's new? What's exciting? I got to confess, when I I was reading these verses for uh, the first time this week and kind of preparing for uh, this moment here, I, I read them and I said, okay, what's special about these? If I'm going to stand up for 25, 30 minutes and talk about these verses, I'm going to need something more to work with. 
And then I realized all the things I had skipped over. Being adopted by God. I skipped by giving up a life of enslavement to fear and failure and death. By uh, being called a child of the king and all the privileges that come with that. Somehow I wish we could be transported back to the day when this letter from Paul, that's what the book of Romans is, right? It's a letter from from Paul to this church in Rome. And when it was finally delivered and it's right before them and they're reading it for the first time. And I wish we could just uh, be there and see their responses. A couple notes about that. Paul's never been to Rome. He wants to go. He hasn't been there yet, though. This is one of the few churches that Paul writes to that, that he didn't start himself. And so he doesn't know anybody there. But I can guarantee that when they got this letter, they were amazed and they were ecstatic about several parts. And one of those was Romans chapter 8. When they're called sons and daughters of God. Let's pause this morning and look at just a couple. I, I have two, two places in these verses that I think if, if we were in the original audience, if we got transported back in time and we could see them hear these words for the very first time or read these words for the very first time, these are things that would have caused a stir and excitement in them. From verse 15. It says, you have received a spirit of sonship. Now, in, in many translations, and I think it's probably the right way to look at it, uh, those words get described as adoption. Adoption, that's what Paul is, is talking about here. In, in one commentary, it says this, the term adoption may have a somewhat artificial sound in our ears. But in the Roman world of the first century, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to continue his name and inherit his estate. He was in no way in, in an inferior status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily common kind of scenario where adoption might take place is a merchant who's got a shop and a business and he's got customers, but he's got no son. And he has an apprentice that has been with him for years. He might adopt that apprentice and that apprentice would take his name. One day when he passed, he would continue that name and he would gain all that the shop owner had accumulated the store, the customers, his home. Adoption is this phrase that just beautifully describes what God does for us. It describes what God does for us. It's a phrase that would not have escaped this early audience's attention. It would have grabbed them. I'm adopted by God. That meant something to them. Second place I want to turn our attention is again in verse 15. 
the very end of verse 15 where it says, because of this adopted state, because of this, we can cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is this intimate word like daddy. It's this word you used in the home to describe your father. Uh, it's a term of endearment. It wasn't a formal term that you would use in public Jews would have used this word to describe God as father, but, but they wouldn't have used, uh, used a word to describe God as father, but they wouldn't have used this word Abba, this uh, intimate, internal family word. And again, this is a phrase that would have caught their attention. It would have been this moment where they say, wait, what? I, I'm that close to, to God that, that I can call him Abba, I can call him Daddy, I would have loved seeing the faces when the people in the Church of Rome, the first time that they got this letter and, and they read those verses, especially chapter 8, verse 15, to see how they responded. My guess is it wouldn't have been all that unlike how Melissa's face changed after she sang that bridge again and again. And at some point, those words stopped just being words on a page, and she owned them. She realized they were about her, that she was a daughter of God. A daughter of the king. So how do we have a moment like that? How do we have a, a moment like Melissa did? How do we have a moment like uh, this first uh, church did when they got this letter from Paul and they read these words for the very first time and these words just jumped off the page at them? How do we have a moment where they stop just being words on a page for us, words we have heard again and again and we own them, they become integral to our identity? To do that, at least for a moment, it might be helpful. It might be helpful to reflect on the opposite of being adopted by God. Being rejected. Rejection is something we know all too well. We've been turned down by some big assignment at work, some promotion. We've been uh, turned down by a guy, by a girl. Rejection stinks. It hurts. It's painful. What makes rejection worse is that dashed dreams and crushed hopes, they don't just go away easily. They linger. They linger. They linger around until we begin to wonder. Are they telling the real truth about me? These fears of rejection, they don't stop just at work or in dating. They creep into every part of our life, even our spiritual lives. And we wonder. Am I the one who's messed up too much? 
Am, am I the one maybe who is so selfish? There's something just kind of deeply flawed in me that keeps God at bay. And today, today what you need to hear is that God looks into the deepest, darkest part of you. He looks all of that fear in the face and he says, that's not what I see. It's not what I see. And then he goes on, he says, you know what, Paul, you tell him. You tell them, Paul, that they are adopted by me. You tell them, Paul, to call me daddy. You tell them, Paul, that they are sons and daughters of the king. With all the rights and the privileges. And remember who's writing these words. This is Paul who in 1 Timothy uh, uh, verse 15, he says, I'm the worst of sinners. This is Paul who, who shows up on the pages of the Bible for the first time as one who is tracking down followers of Jesus, having them stoned, thrown into jail. In the very midst in the very midst of our fears of rejection and our circling doubts, God speaks. Speaks right to us. He speaks and he offers the most secure relationship. He thinks we can understand adoption. He says, you haven't been rejected. You've been chosen. You've been, you've been chosen. You've been adopted into my family and not as, as some distant cousin or some crazy uncle. You've been adopted as a son and a daughter. Then in verse 14, it says, this is how you can know that you're a child of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit, who are led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? It means to be, it means to have the Spirit alive in us permeating through us, through our decisions, our minds, our actions, our responses, our feelings. We know what it means to be led by someone. It means to follow after them, to listen to their directions, to trust their guidance. This week in the devotional that I've been reading this year, there was this little story before some of the verses, and it said this. During World War II, in the days of the Blitz, a father was holding his small son by the hand, and they ran from a building that had just been struck by a bomb. Not all the bombs went off right away. 
And in the front yard was a shell hole, and seeking shelter as fast as he could, the father, he jumped into the hole, and he held up his arms, and he said to his son, follow me. Terrified, yet hearing his father's voice telling him to jump, the boy replied, I can't see you. I can't see you. But the father called to the silhouette of his son, but I can see you. Jump. Being led by the Spirit means trusting God's view of the world, God's view of us, even more than our own. It's not easy to trust. It's not something that we always get right. But we can know we are children of God. When we keep trusting each day. We can know that we are children of God when we are calling out to God saying, help me, help me trust you more. Daniel is going to come and close us in a last song today. As he does that, I want us just to wrestle with these two questions of discipleship. Two questions that we really should should be wrestling with all the time, and that is, what is God saying to me today? What's he saying to me today? Not just what words did, did I speak to you, but what is God saying to you today? There's something that jumped out at you, some verse, some phrase, some piece of the story today that just captured your attention. Are there parts of the Bible, parts of faith that have become so familiar that you glance over them? You glance over them, you kind of rush by and you say, okay, okay, I got that, but now what? Give me something more. Do you ever wonder, am I missing something that God's trying to say to me because I'm rushing past all of these things so quickly? You struggle picturing God choosing you. Have you thought about what it means for God to adopt you as a son, as a daughter? What is God saying to you today? Then the second question of discipleship is, once we kind of have those things picked out, what are we going to do about them? What are we going to do about them today? What are we going to do about them this week? Can you find 10, can you find 10 minutes? Maybe in your car, maybe in your favorite seat in your house, and just marvel. Just marvel at being a son, a daughter of God. Can you just find some time to be thankful? Can you change maybe one of your prayer times from a a list of things that are kind of going on in your life, which is important, and just being thankful to God? For all of his blessings, but especially 
for his blessing, calling you son and daughter. Maybe this week you could find a few moments just to journal a little bit about what God's been teaching you. What some of these words from Romans chapter 8 have meant to you so far. Or maybe, maybe there's some step of faith that is before you that you've kind of been putting off, some, uh, something that, that you kind of have been wondering about, but you, you don't know what to do, and so you've been just putting it off. And today, you're sensing a renewed prompting to call on God's Spirit and to give you strength and courage to take some first step. Because you don't want to be defined by rejection and fear any longer. As you wrestle with those questions, you pray with me today. God, we, we read verses like these. These that we read in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 16. And it can be so easy for us to kind of rush through and say, okay, we got that. What's next? And God, this week, I just felt this need to slow down. This need to slow down and just to marvel at these words. Is marvel at these words that maybe we've heard a hundred times before. Maybe we've read many times before. Maybe they're new to us. But God, how do we see them? Not just as words on a page, God, but how do they identify? How do they become integral to who we are? my prayers that those words can become alive in us because we need them to be alive in us. That we can have light bulb moments where things just stop being words on a page. We read things like being adopted by God and it can just, it it can go from just uh, uh, some words that we see that we say, oh, that's nice to something shifting deep in our heart. Because we understand the depth of what that means. To be a child of the King. When we read that we can call you Abba, Father, Daddy. If we take a moment and we're just in awe of the closeness that you want our relationship to be, I hope that to happen in our hearts and our lives this week. In your name we pray.